Hi, I'm Mandy Livingston from Your Home Radio on 98 One The Lake. Attention all ladies, listen up. Are you feeling tired, loss of energy, weight gain, or low sex drive? Then your hormone levels might be low. I've got the solution for you. Optimize You Chattanooga is a hormone optimization center that specializes in hormone replacement therapy. They changed my life and they can change yours. Find them online at optimizeyouchattanooga.com. Welcome to Optimized Health. This is a podcast about empowering you to live a life of optimal health. Here are your hosts, Josh Porter, owner of Optimize You Chattanooga, and Mandy Livingston, general manager of Optimize You Chattanooga. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the show. We are excited to continue our series on some women's hormones. Ladies. Come on, ladies. <laughs> We've 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 heard the call. We've we're, we're you know answering the the call to uh, to kind of address some some women's issues. Let's talk about the latest. Yeah. So um, so excited. Uh, I've been getting really good feedback. I mean, so far from the last episode where we talked a little bit more about historical perspective and and uh, some understanding of why how we got where we're at with hormones. It's been really good to get some text messages from from people who are listening yeah yeah i've had a bunch of questions too so and it's funny because i had lunch with some friends and and they it turned it instead of being like a lunch where we catch up because we haven't seen each other in months Mm -hmm. and months so instead of having that kind of lunch i got an interview process i believe so they're like welcome to hormone business yeah they're like (laughs) why and why do i feel like this and what is that and so i just sent them i sent them the episode and i was like y'all seriously just listen to this yeah. so you know because i was like i can answer these questions or you can just listen to it. and that's been so helpful to be able to have that resource right and that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons we started this is so that we could have these options to say hey go check this out this is a great way to learn a little bit more about this condition or these these issues and you can you know create questions from it and so yeah it's been a, it's been a huge blessing to our clientele hopefully for other people who are listening um anything new with you you got yeah. a new Grand baby, Brand new grand baby. yeah. This is this is in round two because mm-hmm. I guess Tori is technically round one since she's six years old. So I guess she's technically round one. So in round two of the three that were born, it's the final one. So he's he's here. He's tiny. He's healthy. He's Mommy's healthy. good. Yeah. So yeah. so talking about hormones. Try having three daughter in laws that just had babies that are in postpartum. <laughs> There's some hormones for yeah. you. <laughs> We should talk about postpartum. We uh, should. Maybe I'll have Laura Chastain on that one. We should, because I'm going to uh, tell you what, that's a whole other animal. It's, it's a real deal. Yeah. And get three of them together and they, and they group up on you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> my God. So, that's but funny. yeah. Yeah. It's all so, good. What about you? Uh, my daughter's getting ready to leave for college. I know. So, yeah. So, countdown is on. We leave next Wednesday. Oh, my gosh. Kind of crazy. It is so, crazy. It's hard to believe that she's that old and i'm that old yeah uh, it does not feel possible but i know it happens fast yeah it's been a good summer we've enjoyed you know just kind of relaxing a little bit and we feel like we're getting back into the grind now schedules are starting to change and you know so school's gonna start back up it it takes a little time with family our our size to you know get all the the pieces back (laughs) and like all right guys we're all on the same page here you know yeah (laughs) Yeah. go to bed get out of the bed (laughs) yeah i mean it is not easy so 
Yeah. Anyway, kudos to my wife. Uh, <laughs> and we're potty training our three-year-old. She's potty training our three-year-old. That's always fun. So, yeah, we've got, you know, just the extreme ages there. 18-year-old yeah. leaving the house and a three-year-old who pees in his Needs diaper. Needs a pee-pee in a potty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, wasn't it you that Keeping said, us young. bring me that baby so I can see, so I can get my fix? I know, right? I mean, I, like, do, I do love some kids. Though. Oh, it's God. My, clearly, we've got five. So. <laughs> um, but uh, but no, it's been good. We've had a good summer and good. had some travels and yeah. back. So, you know, I thought it would be uh, kind of fun. I don't know if we'll be able to do this every episode because there's not always current events that are you know of topics on hormones but uh, i did a little little search this past week and um, thought it would be a great idea just to see if you know is there any new data out there is there anything in the headlines and one of the uh, headlines that i saw i want to say this was on cnn uh, was a report that a new hormone study came out and it, of course it was kind of a generic um, so my, I, I don't love that because yeah. it was a specific synthetic study, but it said hormone replacement uh, therapy is now associated with an increased risk of dementia. To their is that the title? That was the title. However, they did have a little colon. Some experts disagree, which I was like, at least they're given that you yeah. know, in the title. They're not saying everybody, right? Yeah, and so and there's a lot less. Um, the data is much more favorable that it decreases but here's here's the the it's an observation study there were thousands of, of women in the study but most of the women which is this is kind of interesting were only on hormones for about a year okay and then they're kind of watching you know observing and so an observation study does and they're observing over time uh whether or not these women had an increased risk and so clearly right out of the gate you could say well that's not that's not apples to apples because nobody's really advocating most people don't advocate to hey take hormones for a year and then come off of them um most of the literature supports that when you take hormones dementia risk are lessened Uh so you know it's it's one of those things again it kind of gets in the headlines the other big issue was that it was again more synthetic medications not looking at bioidentical so you're not talking apples to apples there Mm -hmm. so anyway it it just it's so interesting to kind of follow where those lines go and 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 i contrast it with you've got you've got such a negative opinion about hormone therapy And yet such a, in, in the media and in the general culture, yet you have such a positive opinion about birth control. That's interesting. And so here's a new headline. Mm-hmm. FDA approved first over-the-counter birth control, which is a progestin only. Mm-hmm. Um, and again. Because most, most prescribed birth controls are what? Well, they can be progestin only. Uh-huh. A lot of your, you know, like, let's say when your daughter-in-law's is like, hey, I don't want to get pregnant right after I got a baby. Right. They'll take a, and I, but I'm breastfeeding or something mm-hmm. like that. So they won't take a dual combo drug. They'll take a mini pill or right. progestin only. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but regardless, the issue is it's it's as it's as if we turn a blind eye to some of the consequences or the risk associated with birth control. Mm-hmm. And I, again, I don't know why. I don't. You know, is it is it a, a you know, it, it it's restricting women's you know choice maybe maybe that's why we push the birth control uh, Mm -hmm. agenda much more than we do hormones i'm not sure exactly why that occurs um but it's just you know you've got such a negative connotation of hormone therapy such a positive you know outlook on birth control 
And I just don't, I think it's such a jaded scenario. I think it's so one-sided. Yeah. Um, and it was, and again, I saw both of those articles in, you know, current events this week. That's interesting. That it's interesting. And, and you're right. My girls are on, you know, that the type of only, yeah. birth control because they're all, they are all breastfeeding. And yeah. it's funny because they're like, okay, you know, let's pray this works. You know? <laughs> so, yeah, it's not as effective. Yeah, but, that's, um, that's kind of what their doctors told them. And they were like, oh, great. You right. So. so anyway, and again, I don't, I'm, it's not that I, I mean, I, t- I have patients who are on birth control and, you know, and I tell them there are times where risk versus benefits, you know what, if you yeah. don't want a kid, that benefit outweighs those risks, right? Yeah, yeah. Then there's some patients that I see who have been on birth control for 20 years and they're not even sure why they take it anymore. They haven't, a lot of them skip the placebo week anyway, so they haven't had a period in four, four years and then you check, you know, check their hormone levels and it's like, you are in menopause. You, you probably didn't even needed this. Yeah. Who knows? You're just what. taking this for absolutely no reason. Um, so it's so interesting. You know, it's it's just one of those things where it, it is just such a commonplace uh, practice in mm-hmm. our, and it's just accepted. Mm-hmm. And it's like, but we can't accept hormone replacement. Right. Right. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. It, the, the the contradictory aspects of those two worlds is mind blowing to me. Uh-huh. And that how we can get so favorable towards birth control that's synthetic can be beneficial but also has some you know side effects that right. are pretty alarming mm-hmm. um especially when you've been on them for years and years and years and yet we just that's eh, fine yeah know, let's let's just make it let's just you can just go to walgreens now and pick it up over the counter so whatever <laughs> no big deal no big deal <laughs> anyway so so let's um so so what i would kind of want to talk about uh is as we go through this women's series you know we're going to do kind of the premenopausal age we'll we'll define some terms today with the menstrual cycle and things like that i think it's so important mandy for us to always look from a clinical standpoint to help people understand why they're seeing us Mm -hmm. and and how do you go out from there right Mm -hmm. so i'm a huge believer of with patient education of going as deep as that patient wants to go about explaining the disease problem or whatever and oftentimes you've got to do that by showing, hey, here's here's what normal is, mm-hmm. and here's where you are, right? Yeah. Here's here's how this fits into your equation. This is why these symptoms, and it's like a light bulb that goes off when people are like, oh my gosh, this is this makes so much more sense. This right. is why I'm symptomatic because of the way you just explained it. Mm-hmm. And I see that all the time, you know, when we do these schematics in the office, and you know, I draw on my board and things of that nature. I mean, people just absolutely love that so i thought it would be a really good idea as we start this series and we're focusing on premenopausal women today to kind of overview you know just normal menstrual cycle and, and things that a lot of women already know um but just to give us that that baseline the next episode we're going to have laura chastain on mm-hmm. and she's going to address perimenopause yeah uh, which i think is going to be fascinating exciting i'm excited to have her she's got over 15 20 years of experience in women's health um, and, and she, she is to one be part of us yeah um, she is one and she's yeah part of us she's part of the family um and then uh then we'll kind of wrap it up with the menopausal female uh so hopefully that'll appease the women for Let's a hot minute so. So we'll see maybe <laughs> maybe not so. anyway well this might be just good information for men too because you know especially you gotta like, live with them uh, you gotta live with them <laughs> number one number two if you're like you know you and my husband rob who have the different varying ages in there you might be like the more information i have yeah. the less trouble i can get in so how about you help me out that's right that's right no 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 you're right no no we, men we need our ladies so yeah you, listen up 
You, you better have some empathy here. <laughs> exactly. Our cycle is a lot easier, you know. Oh, we for don't have sure. One. Um, so, so just like in describing, you know, right, right out of the gates, like what is the menstrual menstrual cycle? And this is important because it helps us to understand that women often live on a twenty eight day cycle. Mm-hmm. You know, um, in that that's that's how they look at their outlook of life. That's how they plan for things. Um, not just childbearing, you know, and things of that nature, but they know some women who is one of the conditions we're going to talk about the week prior to their period. They know like, uh, uh-uh, uh-huh. like I got to get everything done before then. Um, so it, it's a very big deal for women. It's, it's, you know, there's, there's a lot of apps now, like the flow app and things that, you know, that are very usable, mm-hmm. friendly, um, to where patients can, you know, have it on their phone. It's 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 probably more uncommon for somebody to tell me now who's still in a premenstrual uh, uh, time frame. It's it's probably more rare for that for somebody to say, "I don't know my what day I'm on." Yeah, most people are like, "Yeah, let me you know uh-huh. my, my watch tells me, or, yeah, you know, whatever." Yeah, so we've got the technology. My to, aura to, ring to tells do me. It. Yeah, uh-huh. I mean it's it's kind of you know just what we do, but you know the other thing that women will know because sometimes this is important when we do labs. Uh, in this age group of, of pre-menopausal women, so you're talking about any female who's, and we're, for our clinic, we see adults only, but you're talking about any female over the age of 18 mm-hmm. uh, up to when periods start to become a little irregular. That would be kind of how I define that premenopausal state. Mm-hmm. And so oftentimes in that, that uh, lady where her cycle is regular and routine mm-hmm. every 28 days or so, I'm going to usually want to see her labs done on days two through five of her cycle because there's there's a lower uh, margin of error. We're not having to deal with the LH surge and things of that nature in the menstrual cycle. So we can kind of get a little bit more of a suppressed uh, look and you can be consistent then. So then you can get those labs done um, consistently on those days. So then when I tell people that, they'll say, OK, what day is that? What day mm-hmm. one is the first onset of bleeding yeah that is day one of the cycle so that's how we kind of help people navigate when to get labs and and, you know when is ovulation and so so day one of your cycle is the day you start your your period um it can you know i mean for some women they can have a period that lasts up to seven days Mm -hmm. for some it's normal for them to have you know light average periods that last three to four days Mm -hmm. and again that doesn't necessarily mean anything other than that's what's normal for them and those can change and they can change but that may also reflect as a environmental right Uh and i can tell a story here in a minute but uh, a a patient i've got right now but stress i mean oh yeah babies you know Uh there's so many lifestyle variabilities that can change um that can affect that Mm -hmm. i I mean when i when mine started it was extremely painful Mm mm-hmm and it was a long time. And then as I've gotten older, it's become less painful and very short. And it became more efficient. Yeah. I was like, now these are what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> if yeah. I'm going to do this, this is what I want. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I don't want that other crap. <laughs> yeah. But no, you're right. I mean, and, and you see that where it definitely is a less efficient process, hormone changes, especially early on. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does kind of level out, but not in all women. I mean, yeah. In some women, it's it's just until they go through menopause, it's like hell on earth for <laughs> two weeks of their month. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, 
The other thing that's important, and this this also plays a huge role into labs. So let's say a lady comes in and she does not have the capability from her job or whatever, um, or just scheduling conflicts where she can't come in on days two through five of her period. Well, then we've got we've got an. It's really helpful for us to understand where is she in that that phase. And so mm-hmm. there's different phases of your cycle. Again, most women this is this is kind of common knowledge. So if you look at the first, you know depending on how long you you have your bleeding session but that would be the menses phase right Mm -hmm. so day one to day let's say five six seven somewhere around that day six mark is when you kind of enter into the follicular phase the follicular phase if you if you looked at a diagram it's essentially uh, in a in a 28 day window it's essentially looks like two mountains the first mountain would be follicular so follicle uh, stimulating hormones so the follicular phase associated with higher estradiol levels day 14 ovulation kind of splits the middle mm-hmm. the last 14 days would be the luteal phase which is more luteinizing hormone and progesterone mm-hmm. and, and that progesterone is then going to go up as estradiol is starting to come back down mm-hmm. so this is it's, it's pretty fascinating because if when you see how these hormones work follicle stimulating hormone which is just what does what it says it stimulates your release of that follicle mm-hmm. um luteinizing hormone is responsible for stimulation of progesterone so that progesterone if there is a fertilized egg has the capability of survival so it's there okay. for viability so that's why you have those two you know follicle phase follicular phase elevated estradiol first mountain peak Second mountain peak is luteal phase progesterone for the viability. Okay. Does that make sense? Yep. Um, And then, you know, this is another question I get uh, oftentimes, and this this is a little bit more towards the menopausal. So, okay, here's when my cycle is, here's when it all starts and all that. Um, and most of the time, you know, 14, 13, 14, 15, 16, um, that has, is, you know, varies You're great, talking about age. as far as onset of menses that, that varies greatly. Mm-hmm. Uh, even, you know, there's some who start at eight. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I know, especially today with hormone, you know, issues and environments and things of that nature that we struggle with. Look, my daughter started at 10 on my husband's birthday really? <laughs> oh yeah it was a whole thing yeah. and she i was like i blame it on mcdonald's chicken nuggets <laughs> that's it yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> i swear great. that's what i said yeah. <laughs> well i mean you know pasteurized milk i mean there's a lot mm-hmm. of things that you know um i was kidding at the time but you're but now i'm wrong. like i don't think i was wrong <laughs> De- deodorant with aluminum yep yeah <laughs> you know? your aluminum I mean, deodorant yeah yeah i no mean there's, there's there's just so many environmental factors that you're seeing those things change so quickly yeah um so anyway so so onset somewhere in that range and then on average when does that when when does the the one benefit of that most women would say that occurs with menopause is when do I stop having a period? That's the first question. Yeah, everybody's. It's like, like look, if I'm going to do this, when does that go that's away? That's right. <laughs> um, and I and I usually tell some early fifties. You know, it sometimes genetically you can look around. Hey, when did my sister go through menopause? When did my mom go through menopause? Mm-hmm. You can get a pretty good idea. Unfortunately, that's not always you know apples to apples because mom had a hysterectomy or or what have you. Yeah. Um, well, and her environmental factors were correct. different at that age. Yeah. Um, but but somewhere in the early fifties is usually you know what you see uh, as far as that's concerned. So, and then you know what are symptoms and 
most women, this is probably more for the men. In the room. <laughs> Y'all uh, pay attention. <laughs> yeah. But what are those symptoms, right? Well, and it was so funny. Yesterday I had a couple and uh, in my office, and you know, one of the things <laughs> that they were arguing about is how long had the the increased symptoms of her PMS uh-huh. been worsening. He's like, at least a year. And she's like, it's been four months, you know? He's, He's like, like, I think it's been a year. Dude. Uh, I, I, I kind of jokingly was like, I don't know that I would keep arguing with her about I that. I know, just I, let it go. I, I, yeah, just let I mean, it go. I, I'm pretty sure that that's not a... It's like a fishtail. Yeah. You know, this fish is six inches long. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. And even if it is a year, I don't think I'd be arguing with her yeah. about this. Right Who now. is premenstrual? <laughs> yeah, you know, like I think I'd be leaving her, leaving her alone. But anyway, but you'll see, like you know, people women will talk about uh, they can tell that they're they're having trouble sleeping. Yeah, um, mood swings, and that's a wide variety. That can be really, really low, really, really anxious to kind of more irritability. Yeah, um, to crying of, for to, no reason. To, to crying to su- just very subtle to mm-hmm. you know um, food cravings. Did you uh-huh. ever have any? crazy food cravings when i was when like i'm around your period oh yeah yeah oh for certain so very very common it'd either be salt or chocolate yeah. one of the two um you know women will get headaches so a lot of that's again hormonal bloating boobs tenderness in, in their breasts <laughs> boobs um yeah sorry <laughs> however, yeah. i'll keep it med- clinical i'll keep it clinical and medical real. Here. <laughs> mandy's on the show for your everyday patient <laughs> oh my gosh oh it's a good thing we don't have video on right now. I know, for right? The podcasting. Um, <laughs> That's later. Yeah. So, so, but those are symptoms that most women can kind of get very familiar with and understand. Like, you know, Cramp. this is when it's going to start to happen, right? Mm-hmm. And as one thing you will see too, to your point earlier about efficiency and things of that nature, you will also see sometimes as women go through perimenopause, these symptoms worsen. Oh, fun. So. Good luck. <laughs> Fun. Um, you know, as far as what what characterizes an irregular period. Yeah, what does that look like exactly? Because I'm going to tell you, like I said, it, it they vary. Mm-hmm. And depending on what's going on, it may not be this, you know, and if somebody says, well, your period's regular or irregular. Well, I don't know. Yeah, I've found myself times at, at times when I'll say that, they'll say yes, and they'll say, well, tell me what that means. Like, again, mm-hmm. two patients ago from this morning. Uh, she has a period somewhere between every 14 to 21 days. Oh, that's a little too frequent, right? Yeah. On average, if you're le- if you're sooner than t- every 21 days, or if you go beyond 35, you're kind of out of bounds of that regular cycle. Well, and also, are you counting your period as there was a show of blood, or that there needed to be something to capture? Right. It? Was it a spotting? Yes. Or was it you know I'm having Full to wear on. a tampon? Yes. Um, and that's true. Um, in her situation, she typically has two legit periods that last yeah. about seven days. So okay. I mean, she's got very little, you know, options there. She wants to have a baby, and I'm like, well, we got we got some <laughs> we work, got some we, of this. We down. got some work to do. Here. Yeah. <laughs> um. So just because she's just not, you know, she's probably not ovulating would be one, but mm-hmm. but the the amount of time, and then you've got to worry about women who start to have periods that frequently. You know, uh, because another thing that they'll complain about else. is, are they tired? Yeah, mm-hmm. there's often a lot of other issues, but are they tired? Well, are they anemic? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you, you're having a period for seven days and you're every 21 days you're back at it. I mean, you're quite literally losing <clears throat> blood. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, mean, and and with little time to restore. Yeah, you know, so uh, it can, you know, another another sign of irregular periods is going beyond ninety days. Mm -hmm. And again, we'll get into the more perimenopause and and menopause. Like, how do you define that? But this is that female who's you know mid twenties, thirties. and, and, you know, periods of just either A, never been regular, or B, all of a sudden they were irregular as a result of babies or what have you, stress. Mm-hmm. If your periods are very heavy, mm-hmm. that's not always, you know, normal. It may feel normal to you, but that could be a sign that there's an imbalance of hormones. What is clotting a bad sign? It can be. Yeah. I mean, if you're clotting, uh, typically, you're with, typically women who clot are heavy bleeders uh-huh. right? meaning so they've got so much blood flow that that it's it's kind of slowly sloughing off mm-hmm. and that is causing the clots to occur okay um and there can be other uh, underlying issues there as well would that be considered an irregular period though if they clot mm-hmm. not necessarily if they clot i think it would be um you know again if that's normal for them mm-hmm. and they're not you know let's say they clot day one mm-hmm. and by day four their period's gone i wouldn't I wouldn't get too okay. bent out of shape about that. Okay. Um, if it's if it's a new onset, mm-hmm. then I would say that needs to be worked up. Okay. You know that needs you know you need to gynecologist needs to look at you know transverse vaginal ultrasound or something of that nature to see you know is there an underlying cause a fibroid or something that that may be causing it. Okay. Um, so so that kind of helps us understand you know just broadly there's a couple conditions that i see and i thought this the the easiest thing for me would be to talk about things that i commonly see i'm not since you haven't had a period since i don't know (laughs) you know i've got lots of girls in my house um i got lots of female patients Uh, um you know but as far as personal experience but right i can only be empathetic okay um like i can't relate outside of that i can't be like look dude yeah so I'll, I'll just go home and ask my wife, was this, you know, <laughs> like what they, what, what it feels like? I don't know. Um, She's like, come here, let me punch you in the yeah, gut. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. that's what it feels uh, like. That's so funny. <laughs> um, so the the two common conditions that I see in a hormone optimization practice in this particular age group or patient population would be polycystic ovarian. And I'm going to broaden that and say even more like phenotypes. There's a few different phenotypes. And. I, I like to tell people PCOS, which is what it you know that's uh, what known it, as, yeah. uh, so polycystic ovarian syndrome, is a little bit like a spectrum. You know, you've got this textbook picture in your mind of somebody who's you know, it's a, a female. She's overweight, uh, you know, chin hair. She's got you know, kind of a, a, a swollen face. She's mm-hmm. maybe a deeper voice, acne. Those are your that, that textbook of like that's that patient's got PCOS. You're you like, can see them from a mile. I don't away. even need to see the paperwork. Right. Yeah. Um, versus somebody who's thin or you know it's it's subtle and you're starting to see some things where it's just an irregular period or they're struggling with fertility and it, and it's not always that but you start seeing some consistencies in their labs that makes you start to to kind of push that. And th- so there's some few markers that we're going to talk about that we particularly look for. I will tell you. In my patient population, this is one of my favorite patients to treat, which really? I know is crazy. Yeah, they're 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 complex. Um, they feel pretty hope, hopeless. Mm-hmm. You know, they they were not usually the first place that they've gone to. Lord, um, no. I wouldn't come to. I wouldn't think that. No, I mean, and 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 
oh, so many of them have tried, you know, because a lot of them are there because they're like, man, we've tried to have kids for five years. And last we just, you know, effort. Yeah. Um, and we've we've done IVF and all those things, you know, um, and, and it just doesn't seem to work. It never seems like we're getting to the root of the problem. Mm-hmm. OK. And so I. From, from my standpoint, that's why I enjoy taking taking them on because it's a little bit of an unorthodox approach you know your typical first line treatment is in the more traditional world is birth control which kind of mm-hmm. you know contradicts the fertility things and so so it's just a good you know um move uh in in watching somebody see get success out of it the other thing is and this kind of goes into what, what the problem is most of them are overweight mm-hmm. so you treat that and you can you know what i mean yeah it, it's just really rewarding the, their appreciation is is like none other honestly mm-hmm. um but what so pcs is actually you would think by the name that it's a gynecological issue yeah right and it it really isn't it's an endocrine disruption so it's an endocrine issue that manifests itself gynecologically is the best okay. way to think about it because it's if you if you strip it all away and you really get down to the nitty gritty, it's an endocrine issue from an insulin resistance. I'm fixing to say insulin resistance and hyperandrogens, so mm-hmm. too much floating testosterone and DHEA that disrupts the HPG axis, mm-hmm. which the HPG axis is responsible for your menstrual cycle stimulation, and that causes the downslope effect of and ovulation I, i'm not having a period I'm, and so so that's what also makes it kind of exciting for me because hormone optimization is focused on endocrine disorders um so it's really kind of getting to the root level treatment is there an age that this either a starts or b stops on its own like it would just go away well not necessarily i mean you can you reverse it maybe right yeah i mean without treatment let's yeah. say we didn't have treatment if would going through menopause take away pcos well it would probably take away symptoms because a lot of symptoms they complain of are menstrual gynecological symptoms yeah right? i can't get pregnant um i can't you know my periods are very irregular so yes but it's so, not going to change your insulin resistance correct. it's not going to change those types of things correct okay correct no, okay so, so there's not an age that you would be like i had it in my 20s but now i'm over it. correct okay no. okay um and, and it, it really you know it probably becomes a little bit more prevalent in women who start to pay attention to fertility mm-hmm. uh, that's when most of the time you're starting to see that you know that patient is like hmm, something's off here mm-hmm. like my husband mm-hmm. and i've been trying for two years and nothing's working you know uh-huh. um so that and, and it is the most common endocrine pathology as far as in the female reproductive sure. system so 20 percent of, of reproductive age females have 20 percent crazy that's a lot yeah so um that's a lot so i'm sorry 20% of reproductive issues are PCOS. Oh, I should okay. Say that. Okay, um, okay. I, as I said that, I thought, I don't think that came out right. So, <laughs> okay. but, but a large percentage of reproductive issues go back to, so one fifth of reproductive issues are PCOS related. And can be fixed. Uh, modified. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, is it something that we can, you know, completely fix? And I say that because the number one risk factor uh-huh. is probably genetics. Okay. Um, now you could argue close second would be lifestyle factors and and things you know similar you know, as far as 
you know, eating habits and mm-hmm. exercise and Well, if you're insulin resistant, <clears throat> then part right. of of helping that particular symptom right. itself is lifestyle. Right. They did a twin study and 70% of twins both had PCOS. So if, if one, so there's a 70% chance that both would have PCOS. That's so there's got to be a genetic, a pretty strong genetic yeah. uh, component um, from that standpoint. The other thing that you see oftentimes is, you know, PCOS is not, it's not individualized or isolated in meaning there are other consequences, right? Mm -hmm. Most of those people, because of the insulin resistance, you're also then struggling with central obesity. You're also struggling with cardiovascular issues. You're Mm -hmm. also struggling with glucose tolerance. You're struggling with type two diabetes, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and so like, that's why it's like, we got to get a hold of this thing Uh quickly Um, because yes, the fertility is an issue, but these other down, you know, cascade effects that, that if we don't take care of this at the root level, can also you know magnify and become a, a huge problem absolutely um i'll try to explain it as far as and correlate it with labs but it, when you look at how the the pathophysiology physiology works essentially what happens is this insulin resistance whether we want to say is that genetic is that lifestyle is it both mm-hmm. but that is where if you kind of draw you know, a line in the center is probably where we're going to, we would focus on. Okay. Because what happens is with insulin resistance, you then have elements of effect in the pancreas. Mm-hmm. You have elements of a downward effect in the liver. In the liver, for example, it decreases a protein called sex hormone binding globulin. Mm-hmm. Well, that becomes a problem because now when you decrease that protein, you increase your free testosterone. So here's how you become hyperandrogenic mm-hmm. so you have more floating free testosterone than your ratios should allow would you so just for those of us who are like okay exactly what does floating testosterone mean is that yeah, does that mean it's wasted like your body's making it and it's wasted like it's just floating around a muck a muck no so so free means it's available okay okay so free in general free is a very important thing i pay i pay more attention to free testosterone male female than i do to, to total mm-hmm. but too much is not always a good thing sure uh, especially in this patient because they tend to be really symptomatic but but you're 90 on average 98 to 99 percent of our testosterone is bound by a protein sex hormone binding globulin albumin is an example they're transports okay so they will carry that molecule that testosterone to somewhere but for example sex hormone binding globulin has a strong affinity and it does not want to let go so it's bound it's bound Mm -hmm. so for simplicity you could think of free is is active it's available bound is inactive right so if it's bound to these proteins it's inactive so it's not going to have you you're not going to get that androgenic effect Uh, and your body has a way of breaking that down when it's needed but oftentimes you'll see uh you know where it should be a one to two percent i've seen ten percent right i've seen i mean that's a substantial amount of free testosterone relative to what it normally is in that ratio and so so what happens then is again there's a there's another way that of the suppression of the hpg axis because then you get a feedback inhibition so then your lh is going to down regulate mm-hmm. and so oftentimes which is luteinizing hormone so suppression of your lh or your luteinizing hormone is then going to throw your cycle 
way off, right? Okay. Because now you've got suppression of LH and FSH and their, their hormonal balance is off because of the response of the hyperandrogens. It's a normal, your body's trying to compensate, but it's, it's kind of overloaded. And again, that root level is this hyperinsulinemia. Okay. The liver also increases your, your production of fatty acids. Well, guess what? That increases adipose tissue. And so here's that vicious cycle. So it's, it's the insulin resistance, it's the hyperandrogens, and these consequences of the gynecological issues that occur as a result. Okay. And then you, you know, you go to your traditional setting and the first line of therapy is birth control. Always, yeah. Right? So, hey, let me... You're cramping birth control. Right. You don't want to have a baby birth control. You, you know. Put it in the water. Your, your Actually, periods it is in the are water. Too that's long. the problem. Yeah, that's true. Um, You're having too long of a period birth control. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, I it, mean, it is. it's like the universal answer. I mean, truly. And it can be the right answer. I don't want to negate that sure. it could be beneficial. I think it is often... I think the way I would look at it is... I don't see it as a root level treatment. I would mm. say it can fix a symptom and that symptom may be bad enough to where it's, it warrants it, right? So my periods are terrible. Birth control can lessen that. It may be the, the right answer in that mm-hmm. patient. Um, a lot of my patients, again, from a fertility standpoint, even though I'm not a fertility specialist, that's not really what I do, but they're not looking to block that because they would not be opposed to getting pregnant. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't want to put them on birth control in that regard. Mm-hmm. So then you kind of, okay, scratch that one. I can't do that. So we're a little off the beaten path now. Uh, metformin, which I do use. I uh, used it in a patient this morning. Metformin is a drug that works really well. Uh, from a, For the most part, at least synergistically uh, is how I'd kind of consider it. I don't know that it's, you know, left to its own, you know, unique device is it going to be enough to really get that lady over the hunt from an insulin sensitivity probably not you see that a lot in diabetes yeah like diabetic yeah. Client and, and there's, patients. there's several pay, people now uh in in my space who use metformin mm-hmm. for a lot more than just weight loss mm-hmm. anti-aging you know there's some you know different uh theories and literature out there and that's not what this episode's about so i'll kind of save people from that <laughs> we'll one, roll but back <laughs> we can go into that at some point but Metformin for this particular purpose is used for insulin sensitivity. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it can be effective. I typically see about 10% of my patients see benefit. So, mm-hmm. you know, when you're talking insulin resistance, we're seeing, hey, we're, we need to lose 20, 30 pounds to kind of get this under, uh, going. Um, but that's something I'll use. Progesterone is something that I'll use because oftentimes these ladies will have some issues with their periods, whether it's heavy, irregular. You can't really use a lot of cyclical progesterone meaning just a a period of time simply because their cycles are so irregular it's like you just got to take it every night you're throwing a dart at the dartboard (laughs) but that can oftentimes help uh that lady and a lot of times with progesterone in particular many women who are struggling with fertility they need a little bit of support of progesterone near the end of that luteal phase so it it can be a, a benefit both to cycle regularity limit some of the side effects of your of the period and kind of boost that uh, potentially and then another one that is is kind of uncanny would be the use for thyroid insufficiency oh um and so you th- when you think about metabolic activity you can't really use testosterone part of the problems there are you got a, a little bit too much of that available so you don't really use that so then you start looking at their t3 and so i pay a really strong uh, attention to t3 in general but probably not any more group than this one this this group i'm I'm 
probably going to be a little bit more aggressive on uh, consideration for thyroid medication or even supplements, um, you know, through iodine and, and um, selenium and things mm-hmm. that, we, that we'll use sometimes. But the the idea is if your T3 is less than, let's say, 3, 3.2, some people would even say 3.5, metabolically that may not put you in a place where you are are winning from an insulin resistance mm-hmm. right so if we take that t3 and the reference range is 2.0 to 4.4 in most labs and we elevate that t3 to the upper limits of that lab reference do we start to see some benefit and oftentimes you will mm-hmm. uh, so you'll start to see that patient metabolically start to have more thermoregulation more you know advancement of weight loss which again, that's that's ultimately what we're trying to do, so that we can improve this insulin sensitivity. And there's great studies out there that have shown thyroid medication improves insulin sensitivity. So it's well within the realm. As but we're not using it for hypothyroidism as much as we are for this insulin resistance and this insufficiency of T3. We don't use a lot of the synthetic thyroid, so we typically will use some type of you know compounded desiccated thyroid. Um, as a way to elevate that T3. Symptom-wise, you can also use spironolactone. Mm-hmm. Spironolactone's been around for a long time. It was originally and still used somewhat for uh, blood pressure, but we use that often to convert or to, to limit the conversion of testosterone to DHT, which is mm-hmm. where a lot of your hair growth issues may arise. So that would be a symptom treatment, not necessarily root level, but you know what? I don't want to have a goatee as a female, so <laughs> maybe it's you know in some in some it's uh it's beneficial. <laughs> that was part of the conversation yesterday. They were like, "Why well, don't want chin hair until it just comes automatically?" And I'm like, yeah. "Good lord!" <laughs> the um, and then the other uh, you know I, we've had an episode on the GLP one, so that's your Ozempic yes. and your you know Wegovy, semaglutide, uh, terzepatide, and Monjaro. Um, you know, I I think. Y- from for this particular group of people i do um i do discuss that with them quite a bit uh i'm a big believer in in foundational medicine first so i'm usually going to suggest hey let's focus on hormones but if we're still struggling right if we if we've got a lot of things going but the weight is just not coming off in this particular patient that may be a good second line therapy mm-hmm. for the insulin resistance so i do kind of have that discussion with those patients and you can go back to that that episode that's episode uh, two episode two to to catch up on what those medications do because there's a lot to it um the other common condition and i know we're kind of running out of time but this one's a little less complex would be your pms you know pmdd now see i thought that was just something that us ladies used against you guys as men and said well, no i'm PMSing." yeah well, <laughs> i don't know maybe 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 you know something i don't know or it's like why are you snapping at me i'm PMSing. <laughs> why did you eat that gallon of ice cream because i'm PMSing. <laughs> maybe see, yeah maybe it's just a good, i thought it was uh, slang yeah yeah it's a catch-all phrase. It's your crutch. Is, right. that, is that what it is? That's what I, I'm just putting it out there. It's <laughs> funny, um, but no. I mean, and, and this this is something I see often as well. Why do why would somebody with PMS or the more se- severe is you know uh, symptoms, which is PMDD, mm-hmm. uh, which is dysphoric um, syndrome, but why or disease? But why would those people come in to office like mine? Well, 
partly it's because they went to somebody else and the answer was birth control. Yeah. Which, again, probably fixes a lot of those issues, but they just don't want to do it. They've yeah. read, they've, they've researched, they don't want to do it. They're looking for an alternative option, so they'll find their way into my office. And so understanding a little bit briefly as to what occurs, most of the time in women who are suffer, suffering from PMS, if you look at when those symptoms occur, which is about a week prior to your period, mm-hmm. In general, that's the luteal phase, right? What's happening in the luteal phase, like we talked about in the beginning? Progesterone. Yeah. So progesterone came on really strong. We call that the LH surge. Progesterone came on really strong in preparation for, hey, was there a fertilized egg? We got to get this thing, you know, uh, implanted and preserved Mm -hmm. and for viability. There is no fertilized egg and progesterone comes on and goes away really abruptly. Mm-hmm. And it's often that decline, that's that increase that is like, you know, around ovulation where women will kind of feel, you know, at a heightened level. And then it will be followed very quickly by this, you know, surge or, or surge, is probably not the right word, but a strong decline. And they'll become very symptomatic. And mm-hmm. that would be headaches and cramping and bloating. Um you know, depressed mood, mm-hmm. not able to sleep. Well, but yet their periods are regular. Yeah. Okay. So what do you do? So they're they're every twenty eight days. They're every whatever thirty days. And it, and and it oftentimes, usually after day one of their period, day two of their period, guess what? Symptoms resolve. Mm-hmm. And then they do fine. And then there it is again. So one of the things that we focus on with that particular group is what's called cyclical progesterone. Mm-hmm. So they don't need something, you know, as long as their periods are regular, they don't necessarily need something every single day or night of the week. They could potentially do something on day 19 through day 25 mm-hmm. in the luteal phase that softens that decline of progesterone. So you give them a little bit of progesterone in that period of time. So the crash isn't so hard. So you soften the landing. Okay. Right. And you will see again, that's some of my favorite patients. A, they're not that, it's not usually that challenging. It's a small dose so they don't, you know, because a lot of young people don't want to take tons of medication. Sure. Mm -hmm. But it's something where it's like, oh my gosh, I take this pill seven days out of the month and it substantially lessens my symptoms. You, you know, sometimes, you know, from a variety and depending on what their patient, some women will still kind of have heavy bleeding or they will, that first day or two will be harsh. So I may say, hey, why don't you extend that into day two? But I usually start at day 19 through 25 and then I I tell them, look, we can work out, right? We can, Mm -hmm. we can go to days 15 to day 30. We can, or 30, day two. Yeah. Um, So we can, we can make it to where it allows for that patient to be individualized the other thing that you can do because a lot of women don't just have problems at night obviously the headaches and things that you know that they'll complain of will be during the day well progesterone taken orally makes you sleepy yes so what do you do right if i wake up and you know i'm on day you know 24 and i've got a headache i can't take progesterone because i've got to go to work well Mm -hmm. Trochies, which is a little essentially like a lozenger, yeah, um, can be given to that patient, and they can dissolve it in their mouth. It has a first pass uh, liver effect, so it actually goes uh, directly into the the system without going through the liver. That patient does not get drowsy. Some people do, but most patients can tolerate trochies during the day to where they don't experience that drowsy effect. So it's a great little tool, and it's something that is very simple for patients to do without feeling like I've got to jump on birth control. Right. 
Does that right. make sense? Give you options. So, um, so that's that's a very you know that's a common one. It's not as complex or um, you know difficult to treat necessarily as P- PCOS. But those are two very common conditions that we see in our practice. Absolutely. I look. I can tell you that PMS is not my friend. Like. I don't know if you've noticed working with me or not. When that thing starts setting in, I'm like, <laughs> maybe not my happiest. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying. <laughs> so, but, you know, and I guess at that point, it's just it's not that having PMS is is going to hurt you mm-hmm. in some form or fashion, just as much as, you know, being able to live with yourself maybe, right. or with others at yeah. that point. So, well, but it can. I mean, it, there's other people, you know, who literally feel like they can't get out of bed for two days. Yeah. You know? Um, so it can be pretty excruciating symptoms to the point where it's like, man, you gave us our life back. I mean, it, yeah. I do great for two weeks and then I'm down for the third week and then I'm back to myself when I start my period. And now all of a sudden, all those things have dissipated. Again, makes they, life better. Yeah. Do they go away completely? Not necessarily, but you can tolerate it. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it, it's something simple that most women, unless they do their own research, are probably never given that option. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the goal here is to say, hey, there's other options that, you know, even if it's not in our clinic, I mean, there's a there's other places who do what we do, who will listen to you and not have a first line therapy of, well, here's birth control. Get on this. This is it. This is what you get. This is all you get. Yeah. Um, and there's some other lifestyle factors and, you know, caffeine intake and, and things that we could go into. But I know we're kind of running out of time. So I would say from the take home would be if you have those problems Mm -hmm. it's it's worth your time to a educate yourself do some some research b be willing to ask your provider even in a traditional setting hey i I looked at this stuff what do you think Mm -hmm. and if they're not willing to consider that then i'd go find someone who is willing to at least have those discussions absolutely it's worth having someone and there's just something to that by itself if i'm just going to be real honest with you Mm -hmm. to having someone who's listening to you yeah just listening you know and and like you said the answer may be what they got before but they didn't they just didn't feel like they were being listened to and that makes a huge difference it does it truly does all right, tell people how they can find us and follow us and yeah, share us. Yeah, so so it, for past episodes, like we were talking about with episode two with the semaglutide and trisepatide, so if you want to find past shows, you can go to our website at optimizedhealthnow.com. You can go to your favorite podcast platform and look up Optimized Health, or you can go to Instagram and look up Optimized Health Chat and find us on all three. So we're look at us just out there being worldly. Until next time. Until next time, my friend. Thank you so much. See ya. You've been listening to another episode of Optimized Health with Josh Porter and Mandy Livingston. For more information and past shows, go to our website, optimizehealthnow.com. Thank you for listening. Optimize You Chattanooga is a hormone optimization and recovery center that specializes in hormone replacement therapy for both males and females. If you are suffering from mood swings, fatigue, low libido, or weight gain, then your hormone levels might be low. We offer in-house lab panels as well as testosterone, progesterone, estradiol, and peptide therapies. We are currently accepting new patients. Know your levels because normal is not optimal. For more information, check us out at optimizeyouchattanooga.com.